The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of los angeles savage actual now your hosts jason and patrick what's up everybody jason little here from savage actual i got my co-host mr patrick mulcher here what's up patrick hey good afternoon everybody welcome to the savage actual podcast I'm sitting here with uh, a good friend of mine, uh, a comrade that I served with years ago, a very, very famous guy since uh, the release <laughs> of Generation Kill on, uh, on HBO back in the day. But we got Mr. Josh Ray Person, who was with me. Or and maybe, uh, infamous. J- maybe infamous. Maybe Inf- infamous. Infamous. I like that better. Ambiguous. <laughs> but, but yeah, we served together back in OIF uh, 1 at 1st Recon Battalion, Bravo Company 2nd Platoon. And... I met Mr. Josh here in 2002, I think, is when I got there. You got there a little bit before me. So, uh, welcome aboard, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully yeah, I don't suck Josh. you bad. Hopefully I don't suck too bad for you. Uh, you've always been pretty good at sucking, man, so we'll we'll see here. <laughs> let's not, let's yeah, not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got a lot of memories of Josh. When I think of Josh, I think of... Well, I guess let's say most people know me as Ray, right? So Ray person. Was that how – so so let me come in from this from the person who has seen Generation Kill. Obviously, I don't know you like Jason knows you. I I don't know you at all. But what was – what was your – I say what was your character? What did they call you on the show? Because I've seen it. It's been a while. But do they refer to you as Ray in in the TV show or the movie? Yeah, and that's everybody called me Ray while I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Okay, Ray. Okay, okay. Yeah, and that's I, my middle I, name again. It. Okay. Yeah, I, I I do the same thing. But yeah, I don't fucking off the top of my head. It's been so long since I've seen Generation Kill. I don't even remember. Well, dude, I how. still have never watched the entirety of the thing. I haven't. I've watched like one or two episodes. Really? And the first episode. Oh, the first. Excuse me. The episodes for sure. Josh is the funny motherfucker. The driver. With the fucking Elvis glasses, so ah okay okay that's which, cool. Which is so did you legitimately have the Elvis kind of, glasses? So they weren't like the ones in the show, right? So the ones in the show are like gold and gaudy. Those technically, I don't think would would have fit Marine Corps standards, right? And so the whole <laughs> the whole story with sunglasses, we all a lot of us wore them, and we called them our toughest fucks. That's right. That's right. They were the most obnoxious, stupidest looking sunglasses that we could find that were technically within Marine Corps specifications, right? Or, or all, the, you know, a- all the antsy, like all the safety aspects that they met or whatever. Right. Like they can't, like the, the ones in the show were gold with, you know, that would have been too much for the Marine Corps. They would have said those are out of reg because they're too standout-ish, right? So the ones that I bought were like these fishing glasses that had huge yeah. fucking like yeah. lenses. They look like BCE, you know, the birth control glasses, yeah. like the ones you get yep. issued kind of, but they were even bigger lenses, like big old lenses. And, and we all 
wore those and called them our toughest fucks. But That's the right, whole man. point of those sunglasses was mainly <laughs> to fuck with everybody, mainly like the officers and, and higher enlisted that couldn't tell you not to wear them because they're within Marine Corps regulation, but they look fucking stupid as hell. <laughs> yeah, so it was mainly trolling awesome. officers and upper enlisted. That's right. That's awesome. I mean, that's like basically that becomes when you're like a fucking lance criminal or a corporal, you know, that's basically a pastime is to fuck with the higher ups, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So Jay, it's, uh, you know, you and I share some commonalities from our, uh, you know, place of fucking residence, man, when we grew up, dude. So, you know, me being from the Midwest, from Kansas, I know you're not but two and a half, three hours away from where I grew up, man. So let's let's back it up, dude. So you're born and raised in the Kansas City area, correct? No. So I'm actually from, if you look on a map of southern Missouri and you find where there is no cities or anything, I'm from the middle of that. <laughs> so I'm from a little, little tiny-ass town called Nevada, Missouri in That's southern right. Missouri. It's spelled like Nevada, like the state, but it's pronounced. Nevada. I was going to say the way that you said it. I was like, "Is that spelled like Nevada?" It's spelled the exact same way, but it's it's pronounced Nevada. And, and, and where is so it? Born and raised there, huh? Sorry, where's that from? The Ozarks, man. Where's that from? Branson again, Springfield. From it's north of Springfield. It's about an hour and a half south of Kansas City. Got it. About an hour north of Joplin. Yep, kind of that area. Yep, oh, yeah. middle of nowhere. So I'm I'm imagining so, cornfields. Is that is that correct? Yeah, fairly fairly agricultural. You know, they have some industry there. Like, there's a big 3M plant there, and that's probably what keeps the town alive. Yeah, my family had a furn- furniture manufacturing company there um, called BNR Furniture that built like, you know, you walk into the furniture store and buy like a a dresser or a chest or nightstands and shit like that. Then there was another, you know, like crane plumbing was there that made toilets. And then there was a place called Fram. Uh, you're familiar with Fram. They make the oil filters yep. and shit like that. That yep. was there for a while. All that has since died. And now it's pretty much just like cracked out, you know, meth town. That's like, they still have 3M there, you know, making post-it <laughs> notes or, you know, uh, blue painters <laughs> tape or whatever the hell they make there. Yeah, sending absolutely. sending toxins into the fucking air. Yeah. So, uh, but but primarily agricultural, right? So you grow up, you know, spending summers baling hay and cutting hogtails and stuff like that. You know. So how about so what, what? Yeah, what yeah. what drove how, you to the Marine Corps? Oh man, this, uh, I, I've kind of summed this up before, but you know, growing up in a small town, you know, very early on. You know, like my graduating class was 180. Now, that isn't just the town of Nevada. That's pretty much the entire county of Vernon County. Like, so every, <laughs> everyone goes to this one city school. And from a very early age, you know, the smart kids get told they're going to become doctors and lawyers. And the dumb kids are told, you know, they're going to go work at the, you know, go work at the factory or go work on the farm or go join the military, right? Things like that. And so, uh, from a very early age, I thought I wouldn't become a doctor, right? I'm not saying I'm a genius, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not a dummy. And 
So I went along with that until probably my junior year in high school. I was doing a, I was doing dual enrollment classes, like college level courses in high school. And I was doing an advanced American history paper on, I forget exactly what it was, but I ended up doing it on special operations units. And I found myself fascinated by it, it, you know, SEALs and Delta and Rangers and Green Berets and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and reconnaissance Marines, that was kind of lumped in there too, even though it technically wasn't part of SOCOM. And I found myself saying like, you know, where do these magical people come from, right? Is there like, is there like some Sparta in America? Is there like some tiny town in Ohio that like breeds these type of people? Because you grow up, you know, I'm a kid, child of the 80s watching Delta Force and Chuck Norris movies and all this kind of stuff. So my concept of it was was driven by that. And and then I really started reading the requirements of, you know, this many pull-ups, this many, this run time, this whatever. And at the time, I was kind of a fat body and and I was going through <laughs> my own weird midlife crisis on that and, and going to the gym and running fucking everywhere. I was running like three to six miles a day at least. And I started realizing like, holy shit, I think I can do these requirements. Like these are things I, I'm capable of doing. This, this isn't a magical breed of human, right? And so I was like, well, fuck, they come from Nevada, Missouri. Why not, right? And so I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that time. I, I didn't I, you know, I didn't know if I really wanted to be a doctor, right? Because I thought that's just what I've been told I need to do. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do the craziest thing I can think of <laughs> and maybe come out and, and then figure out what I want to do. So I called up a recruiter. So the whole recon thing kind of really piqued my interest. And so I thought, because I, I liked the underdog tones of it. It was something I'd never heard of before. It was the Marine Corps, which was even more insane than like the Army or the Navy. And so I, so I called up the recruiter and I said, hey, bud, I had done my research and I found out that there was a, an enlistment code that they could put on there, which guaranteed me the right to try out for reconnaissance at the School of Infantry. They wow. had to let me so try out. What, and if I passed, they had to let me go through. Hey, Josh, what year was that? What year was this that? This was in 98, uh, 99 frame. Okay. Okay. Right. And so, so I call up the recruiter. Uh, I'd never talked to one before at all. And he was in Joplin, Missouri. He was about an hour or so drive away. And, and he's like, well, yeah, I can come meet with you. You know, what, what do you have first period? And I was like, oh, you know, I've got chem chemistry too. All right. Well, what do you have second period? You know, I don't want to take you out of that class. You know, what do you got second period? I was like, well, I've got physics. He's like, well, what do you got third period? I'm like, calculus. <laughs> He's like, he's like, what's up, big brain? On. He's like, dude, do you have like a study hall or something? And I was a senior <laughs> at this time. And I go, no, I don't have a study hall. You know, everything, it's advanced American history. It's, you know, it's all these AP classes or, you know, high, high level classes. And so he's like, well, just, all right, I'll, I'm going to come at this period and, and come meet with you. So I was like, okay. And I told him, this is the code I want. I'm ready to enlist right now. So he shows up and he walks in the door and he looks at me and he goes, how many pull-ups can you do? And you know how in the, in the school, they have those like big transom windows above the doors, yep. you know, yep. and, and, the, but they've got a ledge, right? So the top of the door has a ledge. 
So he asked me that, you know, we're in the counselor's office. So I just jump up on the ledge and start, boom, just start banging out pull-ups. And I get to 20 and he's like, okay, you can stop, stop, get down. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he, yeah, and he probably, goes, you probably, well, you probably, you probably just out pull up Tim right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. That's fucking awesome, man. So bear in mind though, like eight months previous, I was barely able to do like two pull-ups. You know what I mean? Like I had lost probably 60 pounds at this point and was just nice. going out at hardcore. It was, I, I jokingly say that was my midlife crisis in, in a lot of ways, physically, what I wanted to do with my life, everything. And so, you know, I get down and he's like, you know, I got to be honest with you. Most guys that call up and say they want to be recon, I show up. He's like, especially when you told me all the classes you were in, they have no business trying to, trying to go, go be a recon marine. I was like, okay. And he's like, but, but I think you can do it here. And so then he goes through the normal thing and man, I enlist that day. Kind of a funny story is that, you know, at the time they had these like little enlistment cards, which were, he lays out these cards that all say things on them, like spirit of belonging, um, adventure, you know, like <laughs> different, like kind of concepts. And he's like, pick which one, pick the top three of why you want to join the Marine Corps. And I picked like, get the fuck away from here. Uh, go kill people, you know, like blow shit up. <laughs> uh, and he's like, well, you didn't pick any of the three cards you were supposed to, but let's, let's go. So what in, uh, I the fuck right does there. that even mean? Like what cards were you supposed to pick? I was That's such bullshit. Pick, pick, I was supposed to, supposed to pick, I, I guess like spirit of belonging and like esprit de corps and, you know, oh all God. this kind of like, like right, I don't know, the right. cultist type things, right? <laughs> so I enlist and then everybody fucking flips out. You know, my family immediately, I'm throwing my life away. You know, I had a scholarship to Vanderbilt University because that's where I was going to go to do pre-med. So I was throwing my life away, you know. So then I went and took the ASVAB. I took the ASVAB. That's a funny story, too. So I, I, I took the ASVAB in Kansas City. I had to get on a bus and, and do all of that. And I come back, and I had scored very well on it. And they pull me in a room, and they're like, hey, this another recruiter, right? Probably like the top recruiter, I guess, in that recruitment team. And he's like, dude, we got your ASVAB scores. You can literally do any job in the Marine Corps. Any anything you want, we can get you into computers. We can you can do nuclear. You can do blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. You know, I want to become a reconnaissance marine. And he he's he he's like, God damn it! I don't every fucking time this happens, you know, and uh, slams the door and runs out. Well, I guess the thing that happens with recruiters is the guy that, that gets the ASVAB waiver, he's the one that wants to go into nuclear or computers or whatever else. And he's like, everybody that scores really high all just want to be fucking infantry. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm sure you guys can attest to, it, you, you see that when you're in, you know. Yep. I jokingly say that the the smartest Marines that I ever met were in the infantry. Now, also the dumbest Marines I ever met were also in the infantry, but 
it's that joke sort of like it's like a, a curve right so you've got the bottom and the top in infantry and everybody in the middle is a pogue right they're the ones that are doing admin and computers and supply and all that kind of stuff yeah as a whole i agree it's with all that it's sure. all the it's all the 98 99 in the asvab waivers that are in the infantry yeah absolutely so you're an soy so when's your first yep. moment to actually come in contact with, with recon Marines and actually taking the NDOC and trying out? So yeah, I took the recon screening at SOI. Um, a bunch of guys came down from first. I think one of them was that guy from go rock. He was part of that team that, that ran my screening at, at SOI. John Croft. Yep. John Croft. So they came down, ran the screening I didn't realize it at the time, but the, the Marine Corps played a, a humorous trick on me. It's sort of the, you know, join the Navy, become a SEAL, right? And that's how they get all their boatswain's mates, right? <laughs> all the guys that fail out of becoming a SEAL. Well, the Marine yep. Corps, I guess, was trying to do that with recon at the time because pretty much everybody got to try out for recon at SOI. So I didn't really need that. And had I failed, I would have been open contract, but whatever. Uh, so we started out with maybe 60, 70 guys, jump, you know, run a PFT, jump in the pool, get out of the PFT. And I think out of that, two or three of us passed the screening. Um, so then just the way it worked out, I got chopped to ARS on the East Coast. I guess that that school doesn't exist any longer, but yep, true story. It's uh, at the time there was BRC on the West Coast and there was ARS on the East Coast. So yep. ARS was a place called Fort Story, um, there by Virginia Beach. It was a, like a little Coast Guard um, base, and yep. <laughs> uh, so I went to ARS and got to sw do underwater crossovers in the swamp. And uh, one of the instructors there actually was one of the was the lead guy for BRC there for many years. We called him Duke Nukem. God damn it. What's his name? Major Sotier. Always, always had a buzz cut, a flat top. No, no, no. Enlisted. He was a sergeant at the time. I guess he had just got busted down from staff sergeant. Oh, uh, you're talking <laughs> about uh Yarlum? No, blonde hair. Real fucking big dude. Oh, we called him Duke Nukem. You wore the fucking glasses, dude. If you told me his name, I'd, I, I'd remember it, but I can't right off the bat. He ran my BRC, man. I know I know who you're fucking talking about. Yep. Yeah, he was the head of BRC there for when they, I guess when they first combined and got rid of ARS, he was the, he was the, the, um, head enlisted for BRC. Yeah, that, that was a blast. You know, ARS you wanna, was... You want to hear... You want to hear something sad about that space? So, uh, you know, I'd been in the boat teams for four or five years, and uh, I was getting ready to look for a new billet somewhere, a new new duty station. And they were like, hey, there's this joint unit that's over at Fort Story that needs a uh, some medical people. Do you want to go over there? And I'm like, what do they do? They're like, well, it's a joint Navy Marine Corps unit called Mc McTogg at the time, Marine Corps Training and no, McTag, Mc, Marine Corps Training and Advisor Group. Mc, McTag, Marine Corps Training and Advisor Group. And I'm like, what do they do? They're like, they go all over the world. They do fucking training and advisor stuff 
for blah, 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 blah. They go to Afghanistan, all this stuff and stuff. So I was like, and they're like, they're brand new. They're just standing up right now. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I went over there, dude. It was on Fort Story where ARS had been. And when I showed up, they were fucking, because there used to be a bar at that space and for ARS, a Marine Corps bar. And dude, granted, this is Marines. There, There's a bar in this space that I guess probably the fucking instructors use and all this stuff. Dude, there was all these coins inlaid in there. There was recon paddles everywhere. There was all this memorabilia all over the place. And there was actually a recon guy that was a Sark that was there with me who I actually ended up getting into, into, uh, into Goruck later on. But Marines who are not recon guys are tearing up this shit and just throwing it in the garbage, throwing it in like all these coins that are, that are, were like laid in this bar paddles. There was a, you go up the steps all the way up to the top of this thing where you're like overlooking the ocean. There was a, a yep. pavilion up there. There was recon paddles. They're tearing them off the thing and throwing them in the garbage. We're just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We're freaking out. Like this is the history of the Marine Corps and you're throwing it in the trash. We put up this huge, I mean, dude, I wasn't even a fucking recon guy that I was an active duty Navy and I'm throwing a fit about this. And the, the CO and the first sergeant at the time were just like, it's not our shit, blah, 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 blah. And they just threw it in the fucking trash. It was crazy. But I think my buddy, Matt Stoltz, who was a fucking uh, a Sark at the time, collected up a bunch of that stuff. And I don't know if he still had it, but we were talking about taking it up up to Quantico to the Marine Corps Museum and see if they wanted some of that stuff. But yeah, the majority of that shit, all that stuff from ARS, man, they trashed. That, so sad. So that was one of the things I really wondered what happened. So in the classroom, so... <laughs> That that place where you were on, where the, the big turret, right, said USMC on it. Yep. That little compound. Yep. So they had just they had built a new building there after I had left. Like the old building that we were in was literally like a it was a fucking dump, right? With with our racks and stuff in our birthing. Yep. Uh, and the classroom had all the class flags all the way around on the walls. And I always wondered what happened to those class flags because it had everybody's name on it. You know what the year and number class they were, and all of that stuff. I, I never really saw anything like that, but that that stuff made I, it to BRC at least. I I don't know. I I unfortunately, either I would have to assume maybe some sort of instructor or somebody took that out of there. But all the stuff that was fixed, like the stuff that was up at the pavilion at the top of the hill, all the stuff that was like mm -hmm. drilled into the stanchions around there, the right. stuff that was in the bar space. They had coins that were fucking in the stairwell going up. All that shit was trashed. It was mm. just sad and disappointing that the Marine Corps would do that. I mean, and they all knew. They all knew like the history of where it came from, and they just were like, "Whatever, we don't yeah. care." It's not. They're like, "It's not our shit." I was just out. I was out in Virginia Beach last year, and I tried to get on base. It used to be you could just drive on. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yep. But since then, they've got it manned and stuff. This is probably post nine eleven shit. But I was just yeah. There's a bunch of because uh, there was like a hotel, like right when you got on base, there was like a little hotel on the beach and, and shit that we would always have to run by. Yeah, I think that's still there, right so near right near uh, the base housing area, right near that's, the entrance. And all that stuff's still there. Yep. But yeah, they've got. Uh, dude, there's I was a hoping to get on because I wanted to take a ch 
take a look at the the old compound and see if any of that shit was still there or what they did with it. It's still there. I don't know if the advisor team is still there. I had heard they had changed the name of it or done something else to it, but that space is still there. But they dev group put in a a multi million dollar shoot house on there. There's a bunch of other stuff. They actually did the. A lot of people don't know this. They did the mock up for the Bin Laden hit over on that space right there. And uh, yeah, Crazy. so it's, it, yeah. So that's the thing is it's super locked down now. Yeah. So you graduate, you graduate ARS what year, man? In 2000. 2000. Yeah. And then, so yeah. So Danny Redman and I graduated together. We were two pipeliners. Oh, I didn't so know that. ARS okay. at the time was fucking crazy too, because we started out with like seventy three of us, something like that. And these are all guys that are pre vetted, and very few of us were Lance Corporal or below. You know, I was a PFC at the time, and uh, you know it was all corporal sergeants, staff sergeants, some officers, and wow. we started out I think seventy three, and I think fourteen of us graduated or seventeen or something like that. Hell yeah. Um, but Danny Redman and I are two that, that ended up graduating that, out of that together as pipeliners. And then we we got chopped to first. That's where we wanted to go. So, And you got to first in same year, 2000? Yeah. Yep. And then became a roper. So I got chopped to, at the time, it was first recon company. It wasn't a battalion yet. And so I got chopped to second platoon in first recon company who had just started their me work up. And I guess initially they were wanting two bitches to, to essentially be rock <laughs> guys, right. To man the radios in the rock. And so they're like, yeah, we'll take Danny Redman and this Ray person guy. Uh, they'll be our rock guys. Um, but luckily they ended up fleshing out. And so we had four teams in that platoon. So I was put in the third team. I think Danny Redman got stuck in Brad Colbert's team maybe maybe not i forget but uh so i was in jose de his jose de jesus sabalsa magalones team that was my first team leader. that's a name okay. yeah yes he was from mexico i don't think he ever got his citizenship but he was that's, my first tl that's fucked what? up yep. that shit pisses me off man but but I was in a six man team and we did the Mew workups. Yeah, a good bunch of fucking dudes. Our platoon commander was a guy named Eric Dill, who was a Mustang. Yeah. So he was he was a reservist recon guy that ended up becoming an officer. Super fucking good dude. Um, we always called him ECD. Eric um, Eric Dill. His middle name is started with a C. And it was a really tight knit group but again first recon was really small at the time too you know right at the time i think maybe there were like 200 guys in teams between first second and third uh total so did the did the mu work up and and uh went on float it was a good time it was a rope for a while that was right it, right at the time when they ended the indoc too so they ended the indoc shortly after that because i guess there was some article in the marine corps times called there are sharks in the water and it was all about like it was doing it was highlighting the indoc which was a full day event and but it was showing the they got the title from when they were doing the pool work and guys would come under and shark them you know and they thought that was hazing or whatever that got frowned upon so the indoc got killed but it used to be you'd wear a sling rope yep. and you were a everywhere roper. 
and you had to fucking run everywhere you went. Everywhere. And if you got caught not running, there was hell to pay. When you're a roper, it the one thing I really enjoyed about the re- recon community, it was a, very much a meritocracy. I mean, rank had it had its place, but not at all like the regular Marine Corps. If you're running around as a roper and you're a sergeant and you're fresh there and some corporal or Lance Cooley who's all salty, he can fucking make you lock your body and fuck with you because you're <laughs> not a recon Marine. You're not. You know? you're, you're an outsider. hundred percent. You're an outsider. And then once you pass the end dock, then you get to take your rope off. And now you're a full, fr- full-fledged reconnaissance Marine, you know, 0321. At, at the time, too, 0321 was a secondary MOS still. So it wasn't a primary yet. So we were all 0311s with 0321 secondary. Dude, so... At first recon company. I got there two years after you. I got there in 02. But I took my end dock, luckily... They were still doing indocs in Okinawa. So my first view as a grunt from 5th Marines was at Hanson and ended up taking the indoc there. And that was run by, uh, what's the dude that had the fucking giant jack on his back from 3rd? He looked like fucking Buzz Lightyear as well. Legend, <laughs> legend, dude. He was all over. They did a history channel surviving the cut. He was the main guy running BRC. I forgot his name. Anyways, we, we did the indoc. But touching base on the roper aspect, dude, some of my most memorable and proudest days were in that transitional phase between 0311 and, and earning the title as a recon marine. You know, being a roper with those dudes, I was, you know, it was like just getting the tip in just a little bit. You know, like it was, it was, it was good, but I'm not, I'm not quite, quite all the way there yet, man. And I started to earn my fucking keep, and those just the earning and the chance of failing, that risk and reward. I mean, it was just so excruciating, like just hyper vigilant you know those those memories those three weeks there especially in pre-brc as a roper it's like you said man running around if you were fucking caught walking you could get dropped i mean really kick the fuck out right then and there they didn't fuck around so you better have a good excuse for it and that was and that didn't matter like we were wearing our charlies during check-in with a fucking rope on our charlies running (laughs) everywhere and our little fucking core that's awesome how many what? Swiss seats did you think you fucking tied in those fucking few weeks as a roper? Oh, dude, <laughs> I got so good at tying knots. Like, that's one thing I, I just have a knack for. I can tie yeah. knots like nobody's business. Eric Cucker, used, his big thing was fucking with ropers and tying knots. So he'd see ropers running around, and he'd be like, stop, all right, a bowling, a Swiss seat, yeah. you know, uh, this, that, to do the tying of the knots. So we were doing boat work, and... It was right at the very end, and I was the number one man up on the gunnel tube, right? So I'm at the very front of the boat. We're ramping ramping the waves out of the Chesapeake Bay, or actually it wasn't there. It was in Camp Pendleton, Virginia. I think that's where it was. It was a Camp Pendleton, but it's on the East Coast, and that's where we went to go do some boat work yeah. one day. So I'm, yep. I'm up there, and we, do a, we ramp this fucking wave. And, you know, my body is, like, doing this out of the boat. And when I come down, I want to land on the inside of the boat, not the outside. So I land on the inside, but I come down knee first, right on those fucking, the deck lid, the eyelet on the deck lid. Oh, God. And it busted my knee open completely, like all the way. Like you could grab in the flap and like pull it open and see my kneecap kind of deal. And so I got stitched up from that. And then the school commander brought me in because he had done this big speech in the beginning about putting out 100% and that puts money in the bank and blah, blah, blah. Well, then he gives me the backside of that speech and he's like, you've been putting money in the bank 
by putting out. They essentially hid me for that last week of nautical nav. I already knew how to nav and, and do all of it. I could do all of the coursework. But the physical exercise of going out in the ocean and doing the nautical navigation exercise, I didn't do that at ARS. Then I graduated, but now I got this fucking knee that has two rows of stitches inside and outside when I first show up at First Recon (laughs) and run through the end dock, run, do everything. I don't mention it to anyone. Then they find out and they're like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell us? And blah, blah, blah. And they kind of felt bad about it, but. I did it with a busted up fucking knee. Fuck yeah. You got to do what you got to do, right? Um, it, I wanted more than, more than life itself. You know what I mean? It was it was either become a reconnaissance Marine or fucking die trying. It's it, the, the concept of failure wasn't going to happen. And at this point in my life, like everything had come fairly easy to me, like schoolwork, all that kind of stuff. I had never really been challenged until ARS. And so it was it was funny just going through the school every night. I would go to sleep thinking, I have no fucking clue how I made it through today, but tomorrow <laughs> I will surely fail. And I just fucking do it all again the next day. And somehow I'd go to bed that night thinking, I don't know how I made it through today, but tomorrow I will surely fail. And I did I that for <laughs> three, three fucking months, you know, or however long. It comes down to like almost from like break to break period or from like, chow to chow you know what i'm saying or just you just you mm-hmm. just knock it down into these little mini segments of the day and just just hanging on dude. It's like, hey, his name yeah. is crawford i just it is crawford, it. Dude. yes it is crawford yes Same i think he was Jack sergeant crawford yes crawford yep. he yep. was a sergeant he was one of my instructors at ars crawdaddy so, is what his nickname was you said you started with how many people started in your class? Did you graduate with like 17, something like that? What was your... I think 73 or something like that, 74 okay. or something like that. And we so, graduated 14 to 17, somewhere around there. What did you think as the guys kind of fell around you, the people who quit or the people who just, for whatever reason, didn't complete the evolution? Like, what was your attitude toward, oh, I felt sorry for him or did it... Did it drive you? Uh, Jason and I have talked about that before, and we've talked about it with like kind of other guests. It's like personally, for when I would look to guys to my left and right, and dudes that I saw were super strong, and they would fail, they would quit. Most of them quit. To me, it it always gave me a lot of energy and motivation. It made me like, yeah, I'm fucking still here. I'm going. You know, I'm a hundred percent. Like you said. I'd rather fucking die than quit. I always had that attitude. Like, how did you, the people honestly, who quit honestly, around you? for me, it, al- it almost made me think m- more that I was not going to make it. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, whole, like, ARS is an interesting animal, right? And, and the whole recon community is an interesting animal. And in that you, guy, you have the guy that shows up that's a fucking PT stud. I am not, I'm not a PT stud, right? Like, I can hold my own. But but I'm not the best of the best, right? You've got you're better. Guy, you're way better than the you're way better than the average guy. But amongst that tribe of reconnaissance guys, you're you're, you're average, and I get it. Correct. I get it. But to Correct. the common man, I'm, I'm middle of the- to the common man, you're like collegiate level fucking guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so you get the, these PT studs there. That then the first contest they have to take and they fucking flunk out or they don't get it. They don't have the smarts. And they fail. You got the guys that are PT studs and can pass the tests, but then you throw them in the water and now they fall apart. I think the recon community is interesting in that 
you're not necessarily the biggest PT stuff, but you also have to be above average in the water. You also have to yep. be above average intelligence, right? To be able to, to do the, the comm plans, the land now. And then there are certain things that you just can't teach, right? Like yep. to me, land nav is not a teachable thing. I mean, it is the, the the fundamentals of land navigation are teachable. Some people just don't get it. You know, it's a little bit of like being comfortable it's just out where you in are. the woods. I think the reconnaissance <laughs> community and soft community it, it, it forms you to, to to do things together as a group really well, but it really tests the individual first and foremost. In your own strengths and weaknesses and overcoming your shortcomings, especially like Nant Land Nav, especially when you turn the lights off and you're alone and you're by yourself at night, you have a time limit and there's six, seven points spread out over fucking seven kilometers. And if you don't do it, you're gone. You don't get a second chance. Yeah. So that's, yeah. there's a lot of fucking pressure you have on yourself amongst your peers that you're in the class with. The, the pressure from the instructors, the, the pressure of just failing and then the pressure of just the physicality of it. So, it's a mind fuck right. times 10 for lack of better fucking words, dude. And it really, I think you said that eloquently, dude, of, of how many, I don't think I, I, one person said that like you did is, is you have to be above average swimming. Like there's a lot of machismo dudes out there that I don't ever want to meet in a fucking dark alley at night. That'll fuck you up. But can he work well in a six man team? Can he take care of his brethren? Can he, swim can't he go on forever and just not quit and rather die before fucking quitting the answer 98 percent of the time is fucking no we had a point i don't know if you guys did it where we would do peer reviews of each other and man if you were on the bottom half that peer review boom they would boot dudes like you might have been physically great and you might have been a, a fucking stud and smart and you're you're strolling through this but if you're if your peers look at you like you're a mess then they send them to a fucking performance review and most of those guys didn't come back. Not only do you have to be a fucking physical stud, like Josh said too, you have to be smart, but then you got to fit within that group. You got to have that mentality to be able to like work in that team atmosphere like you were saying, Jason. And if you don't do that, you know, that's just, that's another facet of the special operations community that it just doesn't, you know, guys run into and it just doesn't work for them. That's a good point. Peer, peer, peered out is, is the word, uh, we have it in some of these classes, dude, and that's and that's a shit because exactly like you said, you get that guy in a class setting that is hits all these bullet points, yep. but when they're back at the barracks living together in this fucking open squad bay, and then they still have responsibilities, like house responsibilities, like fucking field days in X, Y, and Z, but you got some dude on his phone with fucking Susie Rotten Crotch fucking not helping out he's talking to his chick back in fucking we'll say kansas and you know he's a fucking turd behind the scenes but in front of the instructors he's he's like jacking him off basically you know he acts like a fucking stud in front of the instructors but as soon as the doors get shut he's a piece of shit and he's like tearing apart the fucking class internally thank god for period vows if you're that shit yep. bag that, 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 that skated through life manipulates i should say there's a yep. damn good chance you're not going to make it fucking through if you're just a shithead in the heart and in the fucking mind. Yeah, you guys know. I mean, you're like you're not work. You're working in smaller groups, and you've got to blend well. You got to work together as a team to accomplish your mission. And if even as far back as like that in doc and the recon training, if you're not blending with your guys, if you're not working together well, it's not. It's not magically going to work 
when you go forward into a team or you make it, you know, and it's, it just doesn't work. And if you don't have that, you don't have it. It's just, it's one of those, it's another, it's another one of those things that, you know, the special operations community uses to weed out people. And it's, it's effective. It's, I, I honestly think it's one of the most effective things that a yes. lot of people are very unaware of. Tried and true. Yeah, kind of filtering yeah, out like badge hunters and shit like that. Thanks for listening and check back next week for part two with Josh Person and the guys from Savage Actual. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime, find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.